Welcome to episode 45 of the On You and I podcast presented by the Gazette. I'm your host, Colbert, sports correspondent for the Gazette, joined as always during hoop season by Nick Pateros of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Follow Nick on Twitter at Nick at Courier. Follow me on Twitter at Real Colbert. You can direct message any questions or comments you might have for me, especially for this podcast uh, on my Twitter account. Know that the podcast is available at thegazette.com, at SoundCloud. Uh, it's also available at wcfcourier.com and on your podcast app on your Apple device. If you listen there, I would ask that you rate, subscribe, and review. Okay, Nick, let's get right after it. Uh, you and I with a uh, impressive 95-66 win on Wednesday night against Missouri State, a, a floundering Bears team. I would say uh, they now sit ten and eleven overall, four and five in conference play, and they were the preseason favorites. So uh, my lead on my story for that game was a remark about um, the fact that preseason polls are not worth the paper that they're printed on, and the Missouri State Bears being just another example of that. Uh, you and I put on an offensive show in the win over Missouri State, just like they did the first go around when they blew them out. Uh, at Missouri State, 17 threes made by the Panthers, had 19 assists, shot 58% from the field. A.J. Green with a game-high 27 points. All five starters were in double figures. What's front of mind for you, Nick, uh, after that game Wednesday night where you and I uh, blew out Missouri State once again? Somebody who gets uh, one of those votes in the preseason poll, I'd like to formally apologize for ranking the Bears wherever I did. I can't remember. I think I might have put Bradley 1, UNI 2, Missouri State 3. I'd like to think I did that. I was trying to find the poll, and I couldn't actually find the, the uh, poll I submitted at the beginning of do the you, year. Do you but send I, an email, or do you have to mail it in? Oh, yeah, I have to. I, I send an email. It's a, just a PDF. Send that to Mike Kern with the Missouri Valley you Conference. you got to find and, that. You know our listeners are going to want to know for sure what your poll was. I know I had Evansville ranked way too high. I, I was feeling like a genius after the Kentucky game, and then uh, conference play started, and uh, that, that went south on me. But, uh, but yeah, this uh, the, the Missouri State game, I, I, I wrote down uh, Missouri State. They're like the Oprah of NBC basketball. Everyone gets a three. Uh, you've got A.J. Green, you get five threes. Uh, Trey Burhow, how about you? Uh, you take four. Spencer Haldeman, you get four. Uh, Isaiah Brown, why not three in the second half? You know, their 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 perimeter defense was just atrocious. Uh, There's one play yesterday where Spencer Haldeman just does a basic shot fake. The guy I think ended up in about the second row, and he got an, an open look for three. Uh, there there are some great plays in that game yesterday too. How about that uh, step back three? AJ Green hit in the oh second half. Goodness. I mean, there's no one in the country that can guard that thing. Six four, no. step back, get separation, and uh, just absolutely drained it. I tweeted out after that shot that it was absolutely filthy and I was unsure if children should have been able to watch it um I mean it's the type of stuff that you're used to seeing when you watch the NBA that is a NBA caliber move that AJ yeah. uh, pulls and on. right in front of you and I's bench everyone was all jacked and by then I think they're up like 50 points I don't know it was it was, it was an absurd game uh well but. I mean it what the, I think it was the 1050 mark around there roughly mm-hmm. it was a two-point game yeah and then you and of I the first half yeah of the first half and you and I goes on a 15 to run to get the initial separation and then it only got worse uh, from there for the Bears and you're looking at what is either the or like the second youngest team in the Missouri Valley Mm -hmm. uh, in the Missouri State Bears and you and I's just free-flowing read and react intuition-based offense is just 
you know, that's at like level 303, and the Bears are still trying to get a passing grade and defense 101 in the Valley. Yeah, they, they started, uh, I think, three freshmen in, in that game. They've moved a, a couple freshmen into their starting lineup, so it's a very young team that they're throwing out there. And uh, you and I's ball movement was just so good. Uh, ben Jacobson mentioned it post game, and I put that in towards the top of my story. Uh, they, they had a possession, actually, uh, about 15 minutes to go in the game early in the second half, where you and I was just passing up shots, looking for the better shot, and they would have had. AJ Green in the corner for a wide open look, but they, they had the shot clock violation, so they they missed it by about three seconds. But they're uh, too even too self unselfish for one possession there. Uh, it was just uh, incredible to see how well they're moving it. And uh, what can you say about Isaiah Brown's uh, floor game last night? Man. He has uh, eight first half assists. I remember that no look pass he had in the first half. He was making some incredible plays, and then in the second half he decides he wants to get into the scoring act too, and he scores 16 second half points. Uh, when, when you have Isaiah Brown playing at that level yeah. th- this offense is just completely ridiculous and we've talked about this before how valuable it is to this team how much better they become how much more difficult they are to defeat when Isaiah Brown is making uh, contributions you know for nearly all 40 minutes and while his offensive game was a little slow to start in terms of putting the ball in the basket on Wednesday night as you touched on, did a great job distributing the ball. He said after the game he was just turning down what he had as good looks for better looks, and it's obvious that after beating up on Missouri State the first go-around at their place that this UNI team entered uh, Wednesday night's game with a lot of confidence. And uh, I don't want to talk for too much about Missouri State because, quite frankly, Nick, I mean, they're not really going to be an important part of the Missouri Valley's conversation the rest of this season. I was just – surprised by how a season ago Dana Ford quickly gained a reputation Dana Ford Missouri State's head coach quickly gained a reputation around the league for his sideline theatrics and how intense he was during games with his Missouri State team and he looked like he drank a bottle of melatonin before that game on Wednesday night I mean he sat down in his chair for 95 percent of the game as did all of his assistants And it was from the first chair to the last chair on that bench at McLeod Center Wednesday night. Body language-wise, it was a team full of Jay Cutlers. I mean, Jay Cutler, you know, the old Chicago Bears quarterback who used to get— Smoking Jay. Yeah, Smoking Jay, who used to get, you know, killed all the time for his body language. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was basically that from the moment Missouri State stepped into that gym. It just—I hate to speculate. It just seems like maybe there's something more meat in the eye because all the fire— in that team that came to McLeod Center a year ago, it was absolutely gone. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're, they're just getting hammered. They couldn't stop you and I. You and I was put making everything they threw up, and uh, it, it, there wasn't really any any emotion. Like you said, uh, we're sitting right next to that Missouri State bench, and you, you, you really just didn't see much out of them. You contrast that to, like, when Bradley came to the McLeod Center, you saw a little bit of fire, you saw some fight, guys talking it up, yep. pretty engaged. Uh, Loyola on Sunday, you know, they are in that game. They, For sure. Uh, you know, hung in there. They're getting beat pretty good, and they, they made a late run to get that thing into overtime. So, yeah, you, you compare that to, to the Missouri State team we saw, and uh, you can see why they're they're going to probably be playing on Thursday in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. I'm not sure how much you and I can take away from its win over Missouri State. They obviously put a lot of really quality plays on, on film, Nick, but um, certainly with Evansville next up for the Panthers, it seems like Evansville is by all means going to be the cellar-dweller. Uh, of the league this season, but uh, I'm not trying to pile on Missouri State. I just genuinely do not know 
how much you and I can take out of its win over Missouri State and tip of the cap to them. They took care of business, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, my point stands. Yeah, they, they did what they had to do and, and played a great game. It was entertaining basketball to watch, yeah. I think, if you're a UNI uh, basketball fan. That was good popcorn basketball. Exactly. Uh, let's move it along. Uh, A.J. Green, as I mentioned, scored 27 points in the win over Missouri State. Continues to be the front runner, Nick, I would say, for player of the year. Would you agree? Yeah, him, Cameron Crutwig, uh, probably Javon Liberty Freeman might get some some love, too. Yeah. But those, those are the three, I think, that are in the mix. And uh, something that Nick and I want to talk about on this podcast is that A.J. Green's playing a lot of minutes. And as it stands right now, A.J. Green is playing quite a few minutes uh, per game. I know you've got some of these numbers hashed out. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, I was curious, so I looked it up. And, you know, his minutes per game overall are are just 34.2, which ranks 111th nationally. But you go into the league play, the the nine nine conference games, he's averaging 37.1 minutes a game in conference play. That would put him about 11th, 11th, 12th, uh, tied right there. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, nationally uh, in minutes per game in, in conference play. You com- you compare that to Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State, who's obviously a huge part of that team. He ranks 16th nationally at 36.6. And so you have Green averaging 37.1 in league play. Uh, I mean, he's, he's playing as many minutes as anyone in the nation right now. And not only do questions of you know long-term endurance throughout the season come to mind when we talk about a subject like this one, but I think back to Wednesday night's game against Missouri State, Nick, where it was around the six-minute mark in the second half. Obviously, you and I has a big lead. Uh, I remember you mentioning something around that time, too, about wonder when Ben Jacobson's going to pull his starters and put his reserves in, go to the bench. And around that six-minute mark, there was a loose ball, and it was one of Missouri State's bigs, you know, one of their guys out of the front court who goes on the floor for this loose ball, and A.J. Green, uh, you know, you uh, have to respect the effort there, mm-hmm. uh, but you and I's got a convincing lead. The game's in hand. I mean, there's they just won no it way. By 29 points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So AJ dives on the floor and he makes contact with this big guy with six minutes left. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, man, I feel like you almost got to make a business decision there if you're AJ Green and you're still out on the floor. Uh, but then again, there's obviously the other side of the coin where you go, well, should he be out on the floor at that point? Uh, in the first place, uh, and then there's also the factor that we that's important to mention of these Ken Palm offensive and defensive efficiency re- um, metrics that enter the conversation that are a part of the calculus for the NCAA selection committee. Uh, what did you think about how that all transpired? Because it seemed like Wednesday night's game was kind of a microcosm of this subject. Yeah, well, we asked. I asked Ben Jacobson about this in the presser following the game in Springfield because AJ played heavy minutes. He played about forty minutes in that game against uh, Missouri State, and he and Jake played as starters for probably all but the the last three minutes of that game in the second half, and that was a twenty point game. And, and what Jake said was, you know, you, you don't see it very often where you have a group of five that's clicking so well. And so when he when he's got them running like that, he just kind of wants to let them go and, and enjoy themselves. 
and and be playing great basketball out there and you can take a lot of positives away from those possessions and then below that below when you have that group of five clicking so well would be player development get the the freshmen involved Antoine Kimmins Noah Carter James Betts get them some game minutes and some experience and then below that is the the Kim Palm ratings and and all that so he, he he ranked that number three but in reality if you're taking care of number one you're also accomplishing number three because your best guys are out there playing at a high num- level yeah. and, and that's going to help out your efficiency ratings so it, it really doesn't matter if he ranks Kempom number three he, he's really helping out the Kempom rankings by by putting his best five out there in a, a blowout a 30 point game that being said what derails you and I's season faster than anything right now an injury to AJ Green yep and if AJ Green goes down with an injury in a game where you're up 30 points man that's going to be a tough pill to swallow yeah no doubt it makes me think as a Chicago Bulls fan about a game that the Bulls had, um, if I'm not mistaken, they were going to lose a Eastern Conference. It was like a semifinal first round game against the 76ers, and it was the second time that Derrick Rose ended up getting, uh, you know, uh, taking a serious injury. And it was a game where he easily should have been on the bench. And it's something that Bulls fans still talk about to this day. You know, years later. I mean, coming in on a decade later, and I would just. I think you and I fans would just be crestfallen yeah. if a season right now where you and I is 18 and three, that AJ Green gets hurt in a situation like we just described. Uh, so it's, um, I don't know, is it a fine line to walk? Or I think. I think A.J. Green's got to come out of that game Wednesday night around the six-minute mark, no later. Yeah, I think you've got to get him out of there when that's a 30-point game. I, I know you and I has blown some pretty epic leads in spectacular fashion, they too, have. and maybe that goes into it, but... Man, you've got a good, you've got good enough players to bring that thing home. Get Antoine Kemen some minutes. Get some other guys off the bench. Uh, you, there's no reason to to be playing him when you're when you're up 30 points late in the game. All right, let's go to our next subject here before we uh, begin to preview you and I's game coming up on Saturday on the road at Evansville. Uh, let's check back in, Nick, on the at large chances for you and I. Uh, there was a Quite a healthy discussion. I don't know. It may not have been completely healthy, but nonetheless, there was a robust discussion that broke out last week um, after you and I's Southern Illinois loss about its at-large chances. Uh, this happening on Twitter, going you know, um, shocking. I know, but um, the way it sits right now, I had tweeted out after you and I's Southern Illinois loss that it was more than likely that they would have to win out, and to me. It's selective losing. You and I can only afford to lose two more games, in my mind's eye. That would be their road game at Loyola, as long as Loyola doesn't fade down the stretch. They lost, uh, obviously, Wednesday night uh, on the road at Southern Illinois, as many teams have this season. So you and I in sole possession of first place. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, you and I can only afford to lose that game at Loyola and only lose the Missouri Valley Tournament conference championship game um, to be in position to get an at-large. I know you've had some time to dig into this, uh, look into Belmont's case. Uh, I I know last weekend uh, I pulled back up Illinois State's 2016-2017 season where the Redbirds went 28-7, but they were, if I'm not mistaken, they were 27-6. They were 27-6 at the end of the Missouri Valley conference tournament and they lost the conference tournament championship game by 20 points to a a Wichita State team 
that finished the season ranked 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois State also, I think it's important to mention in that 16-17 season, Nick, they went 17-1 and in conference play. Obviously, you and, and I— that was a conference with a top 25 team yes. other than Illinois State that was in, in the mix. Yes, so they go 17-1 and in conference. They're 9-4 and in road games overall that season, and they got snubbed. And Dan Moeller had the harshest of words— for the NCAA selection committee, but that doesn't change things. They didn't get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, where are you at right now on you and I's at-large chances? What are the things that are that you've made a point to go research, Nick? Uh, like I touched on already, uh, you you've looked into Belmont's case. Yeah. Well, Belmont was the, the last team that got into the tournament last year. Lunard, uh, Joe Lunardi, a lot of those bracketologists uh, didn't have them making it in. They, they got in. They don't play in a power conference. They're a mid-major. They had a f- 47 net ranking, and their overall record, I think, was 26-6 and six entering the tournament. Uh, so six or seven losses. And when you look at the quads, they were two and three in quad one games and, and four and one in quad two, and that's what helped them. So you and I, they can get to a similar quad two. Their only two quad one games are going to be uh, the West Virginia loss and the Colorado win. So that's not going to move the needle a whole lot. Uh, the, the net ranking for you and I right now is 41, but after their next loss, they're going to probably drop back down to the upper 40s. So I, I think if you and I is going to have to go eight and one, and if they go eight and one, the, the one loss really doesn't matter because if you lose to a bad team, you're going to have a good road win. You're going to have a quad two road win against the Loyola or somebody like that. Yeah. So I think that'll offset it. And okay. then, obviously, uh, when you, if you're looking at an at-large scenario, they're going to have to lose in the conference tournament at some point. I think they have to at least get to the semifinal round of the conference tournament. I don't know if they have to get to the championship game or not. I'd say if you finish 8-1 and one and at least win one game in St. Louis, they should, they should draw strong consideration. But, but I don't think they'd be a lock. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough. And you look at what UNI's body of work is so far, even though the Panthers only have two conference losses – they're only two and two on the road in league play, and one of those two losses is to an Illinois State team that has only beat Evansville. That's their only other win. So that's a game I'm sure they'd love to have back. That yeah, Illinois State yeah. one, uh, Southern Illinois, they play great on their home court. That's not a terrible loss. You and I could have won that game. They had chances, but man, you, you wish you had that Southern that Illinois State game back, and and that might be the one that keeps them out of the tournament. In all honesty, because you're gonna have to go to Loyola, you're gonna have to go to Indiana State. Uh, Valpo's coming up. That's going to be a tough trip. You still have two games against Drake. It's going to be hard to sweep yeah. Drake. They're they're not a bad team. No. And then you still have to play Southern, who already beat you on your home court. So, uh, man, uh, for you and I to get through the remainder of its schedule and in league play eight and one, and then get to the championship game of the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, they're going to have to be playing some high level basketball. Yeah. When you lay all that out, winning three games in three days in St. Louis sounds easier. Yeah, team, it looks like it? the better option than, than getting an at-large. I, I think, you know, you and I has a solid NIT resume and, and we'll be playing postseason basketball in some capacity here this year. But, man, at, I can't overstate how difficult it is going to be for you and I to get an at-large bid. And, and important, I think, to repeat, uh, the only quad one games, loss um, against West Virginia and Cancun, 
and the win on the road at Colorado, and that's going to be the only two quad one games that they have. And you're comparing them to a Big Ten conference schools that may finish, you know, 500 in that league, but almost all their games in conference play are quad one, quad two games. Yep. And in the Missouri Valley Conference, none of your home games are in the first two quads. So you get absolutely no credit for anything you do on your home court. You and I could go undefeated at home this year. They're undefeated right now, and, and that means nothing. The selection committee is not going to give a damn. No. And it's not going to be personal. It's just them doing their job based off the metrics that have been put in front of them. Uh, all right, Nick, let's uh, let's look at UNI's next game on the road at Evansville. Uh, UNI now 18-3 and overall, 7-2 and in conference play. Uh, Evansville now at 9-13 and overall, 0-9 in league play. Uh, certainly the uh, initial suspension and then firing of their head coach, Walter McCarty, has had an impact. I mean, obviously, losing any team losing a coach in the middle of a season is going to have an impact on a team. And it's all the worse that the allegations against Walter McCarty are of the kind that they are, that being sexual misconduct. Um, so that's that's something where it's it's a black eye on, on Evansville, and it's a bit of a black eye for the Missouri Valley as well. Um, but I, I don't want to I don't want to dig into that. I just I think it's important to mention that that's the circumstances for this Evansville team. And their best player, DeAndre Williams, has missed uh, how, how many of the past? He's missed the last seven games. The last seven games. Injury, so. uh, he's their leading scorer, 17 points per game, about eight rebounds. Uh, was a big part of their win uh, against Kentucky earlier this year that got him a lot of exposure. But a guy we're more familiar with is K.J. Riley, um, who's at about just under 12 points per game. Um, I remember last year he seemed to just really be putting the ball on the floor and and wanting to get downhill and go to the hoop. And uh, you could almost see, I thought, anyways, uh, some of the NBA influence that Walter McCarty had on that team last year Mm -hmm. with their approach. But Todd Licklider is now the head coach um, of Evansville. After Walter McCarty's dismissal, Todd Licklider um, was hired as head coach, the former Iowa coach, who obviously did not have a very good stint in Iowa City. Um, Nick, your initial thoughts uh, on this game for you and I? Oh uh, yeah, Todd Licklider, he's a he's a professional. I mean, he's he's gonna bring some stability that that program needs. I, I know he didn't end well at Iowa, but we actually saw him last year in Cedar Falls because Walter McCarty was suspended right. uh, for criticizing the officials back then. So it, it, he knows how to coach at least, but. Uh, it all comes down to DeAndre Williams. If they don't have DeAndre Williams playing, it's going to be tough for that team to do much against you and I. Uh, it's one of those games where the Panthers are going out on a, a long road trip, a long flight, and, and they just need to go there and take care of business, uh, put them away early, and, and move on to the next game uh, against Valpo, which will be a tough game. Uh, it does seem like Evansville, it'll be shocking, not surprising. It'll be shocking if they finish anywhere but last in the league and make their exit on Thursday in St. Louis at the conference tournament. Um, obviously an absolute cannot lose game for UNI. This would be even way more worse than losing at Illinois State, if that's even fathomable for people. Um, and just what UNI brings from a talent perspective, experience, its, it's offense should overwhelm Evansville's defense easily. Um, what they're able to do on the glass should overwhelm Evansville. It's hard for me, um, someone who's who's seen a lot, you know, you you brought up earlier some of the epic collapses that you and I has had in some big games uh, in recent history. It's hard for me as someone who's seen a little bit of everything and probably almost become a little bit jaded. Um, it's hard for me to even conceptualize how you and I could lose this game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be very tough for them to lose this game. I, Evansville is capable of knocking off a good team. They've beat Kentucky like 
what feels like decade ago. But yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and you and I is going to get everyone's best shot from here on out. They're, they're the clear leaders in the Missouri Valley Conference. When you go to – when you and I comes to your home gym, you're going to have to play with some pride. And, uh, you know, you're going to probably try as hard as you've tried all year. The, the effort's going to probably be there out of Evansville. Crowds that, are going to be a little bit yeah, bigger. Yep. Um, any final thoughts, Nick, before we wrap up this episode? Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's just fun watching this UNI basketball team in, in the way they share. Uh, Trey Burhow mentioned he f- feels like they're one of the more unselfish uh, teams in the Missouri Valley Conference, and they they really seem to be clicking on all cylinders right now and enjoy being around each other and are, are really engaged in, in what's becoming a special season. We just went a whole podcast without talking about turnovers. How about that? <laughs> I just it's one of those things, you know. If if people have been listening to our previous podcasts. If this UNI team uh, cleans it up a little bit in terms of their ball security and A.J. Green continues to be just a little bit more efficient against those double teams, those blitzes, those traps, uh, sky seems to be the limit. Yeah, it's uh... – you know, it's the outlook is uh, is is it's pretty pretty promising for yeah. Northern Iowa at it, this point. It sure is, and uh, like you said, it, I don't think there'd be hardly anybody that follows Missouri Valley Conference basketball that wouldn't say you and I is certainly the favorite uh, to win the regular season and conference tournament championship. But a lot of basketball to go between then and now, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, having another episode of the podcast next week. As always, Nick, thanks for. Uh, Thanks for uh, joining me on the pod and all the insight in the conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cole. Thanks for listening to episode 45 of the On You and I podcast presented by the Gazette. Remember, you can direct message questions or comments to my Twitter at RealColeBear. Stay up to date of my coverage of UNI hoops, football, and more at thegazette.com. Stay up to date of Nick's coverage of UNI men's basketball at WCFCourier.com. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.